Welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artist relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Schaff, a writer, director, artistic liaison, and mom. I'm so grateful you're here. I am very excited about today's guest, Dickie Murphy. Dickie is the creator of the Nickelodeon and Netflix series, Aaron and Aaron. Previously, Dickie wrote for family sitcoms such as The Thundermans and iCarly. When not working in television, Dickie writes copy for pharmaceutical advertising. Aside from television and film, Dickie enjoys writing and recording his own music. Dickie, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. You read that bio so well. I'm like, who's this guy? I got to meet this Dickie. <laughs> he's pretty great, I got to yeah, say. Yeah, jeez. He sounds great. <laughs> so tell us um, about you, uh, about your background as an artist and uh, your relationship with anxiety. I got my first writing job after a few years, which is kind of incredible, um, mm-hmm. and then got fired from that job after like 10 weeks. So, like, it, you know, um, and then I was out of work for a while, but I kept writing, I kept writing short stories, um, and really loved that and got some, a few of them published here and there. Um, and that, that was great, but that was like, I remember I got a short story published for, um, with McSweeney's, which is like a big, big deal, especially at that time. It was like a real feather right. in my cap. Um, right. but like, financially it was like a hundred bucks. I'm like, okay, so what am I going to (laughs) do? But the truth is like, I probably could have kept writing short stories um, and eventually made like put a, had a book made, like maybe I could have got a book of short stories published and maybe I could have got a novel, but there's also something that happens when you live in Los Angeles, which is I I'm sort of surrounded by other screenwriters and TV writers and you, I'm excited about that. So that right. kind of just became the path I chose. Um, and then, um, yeah, then, but I didn't work again in, in television for a long time after that first like 10 week stint. Um, uh-huh. It was probably like six years or more before I got another job. So la- not last year, this is like what, 2019, 2020, you came to visit um, my husband and I in New York. Right. Um, and you told us the craziest story and it was actually part of the inspiration for me starting this podcast. Um, so, you know, feel special. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, (laughs) So I I would love to like for you to take us back to that time. So you, uh, you were a writer on the Nickelodeon show, the Thundermans, correct? For a, a for all what three seasons? Is for, that it how was long? yeah I, for like four. I think it was four seasons, but yes, more or less a, a long running like hundred plus episode show. Okay, so Thunderbirds ends right, and you're in this headspace of like, cool, I'm gonna get my next gig. Yeah, what happens? Well, <laughs> yeah, I did not get the next gig, um, and part of that was sort of a self inflicted wound, which was while I was writing for the Thundermans. Um, that was like the first job I had gotten after being unemployed for a while and going into pharmaceutical advertising. Um, and then I got back into television. I wrote for the Thundermans and maybe like halfway through working on that show, I really felt like my, I felt like my calling, what I really wanted to do was write, um, drama, television drama. Um, okay. that was what I was watching. There was so much great 
it still is, but like so much great trauma. And I feel like, geez, I live in this city where this is all being made. I want to be part of that. So what I did then for like the last two to three years I worked at that show is I would like get up before work and write dramas pilots. Um, it was okay. awesome. It was tiring, but it was great. And the hope say, was, that is dedication. You didn't yeah, have any children at that point, did you? I did. <laughs> I, did I eventually I did, and I kept doing it. That's where I look oh my back. Gosh. Like, wow, that was crazy. It's um, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, I would like get up and be like, I hope he doesn't wake up soon so I can work on Keep this writing. thing a little more. Oh. But um, but I say self inflicted wound because not I, I would do I would do it again, but um. I never sold those pilots. I didn't get on a, a drama show. So then when Thunderman's ended, I didn't have any uh, momentum, which is like mm. the most important word in Hollywood. Um, so I didn't have like momentum within the kids space, the family space, the Nickelodeon space. Um, so suddenly about a year goes by, we're like, all right, I got all these drama specs. They're not selling okay, shoot, um, I'm also not getting hired on Nickelodeon shows because I didn't, like, hypothetically, while I was on the Thundermans, I could have, the door was open for me to, like, go pitch them other ideas for other shows. And that's, like, how I could have built momentum. But I didn't. So I basically was back at, like, zero. I wasn't getting hired. Um, And then this went on for, like, a couple years. and it, it, it got to the point where I was writing. I kept writing. I was writing like I tried a movie. I tried another pilot. Um, tried a bunch of pilots. Then then I got to the point where I was like, okay, my momentum was in family. And especially now I have kids, as you say. Like, I'm like, you know what? I kind of feel like I am I enjoy talking to kids and come up with stories. Like if, if you come into a party, I'm like, I'm the guy in the corner who's like hanging out with the kids. Like, like clearly right. like that's my sensibilities. Like, why am I fighting this? Okay. I'm going to try and work again at Nickelodeon. Um, and so I start pitching them shows. None of it. And it just, none of it worked. None of it, none of it sold. And it's kind of an all or nothing proposition at that point. And I basically, I hit a point like two over two years into this process, maybe about two. I don't know. I'm not even going to say the number. It was a long time. Um, and it just broke, it like broke me. And yeah. um, I remember I had, you know, the weight of, by my own choosing, a mortgage, um, mm-hmm. but, and, you know, providing for my family and the, this is like, this is where anxiety gets real. Like, holy shit, what am I going to do? Like, right. What am I possibly going to do here? Do I have to move? And I just had a day where like, I broke and I was like, I am so like, I'm so tired of getting up every day and having to figure things out and fight the world for an inch. Um, so that was like, I quit basically. Okay. I'd never been driven that far, but I quit. Um, okay. <laughs> and I think this is what you're talking about. But then my wife was, my wife, Kate, she was like, yeah, cool. You totally, I've seen how hard you work, like quit. We can totally do that. She's like, but that's going to be a whole other set of work. We're going to have to like sell our house and, you're going to have to find your, like a job. Probably we were thinking to move back East. Um, so she's like, that's going to be a lot of work. Why, before you go take that on, why don't you just take a month just to do something to make yourself happy? And I remember like I immediately responded. I was like, I just want to write some songs. 
And she's like, okay, go write some songs because I've, that's how I know your husband is um, through music. Yes. I always played music. So, um, so then like in that space of like, this is over, I'm done being a writer. I'm just going to write some songs for fun. Um, one day I and found myself- Dickie's a really phenomenal songwriter too. Oh, just, just you. so y'all know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, well, yeah. And then one day I wrote like a funny song, which is not what I tend to do when I like, sit down to write a song. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a funny song. This was like near the end of that month. And I thought to myself, wait, why have I never tried to s- sell a TV show with music? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I should try that real fast before we give up. Um, and then that, so I so I came up with an idea with music and that that became um the show Aaron and Aaron which is currently you know a show that I created um but right. when I saw you in New York it was I was I was I had I had a trip out to New York where my brother worked for a pharmaceutical advertising agency which is work I do on the side mm-hmm. and I had a meeting there the point of the meeting was supposed to be like maybe would they hire me and that right. would be the move to New York. Um, and I, but I sold this Aaron and Aaron idea to Nickelodeon like that week. Like right. I remember, it was like a few days before my flight to New York. Yeah. Um, so literally, like <laughs> I always think of what I'm doing as a writer and trying to survive is like I'm a pilot of an airplane, and I'm you have mm-hmm. to like constantly try and take off. You're always on this runway, like trying to take off, and basically like. How much time, how much runway do I have left? And in that case, like the plane took off, like just at like the wheels smashed into the fence, but we got, (laughs) we took off. (laughs) Yeah. So I was then, so I was in New York and I remember going into that meeting and saying like, well, I can't move out just yet. Can it be freelance? Um, And they're like, no, that's (laughs) no, we don't do freelance. Um, But that was okay because suddenly I had, a little momentum again. Right. Um, right. And so, yeah, so that's that, that, that was like, that was crazy. That's when I saw you. Yeah. Well, I remember sitting there and you're like, okay, so yesterday I was about to lose my house and (laughs) I flew out here to take a job at at a pharmaceutical ad agency. Yeah. And today I am a writer on a sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just like the opening chapter of that story because then, yes, then I went back, I came back here to Los Angeles and that there's like a development process. Like you sell an idea, then you have to have to write the idea. Then you have mm-hmm. to write the next draft and then next draft. And then the question is, will they quote unquote green light the pilot, which is like, will they make your pilot? And uh-huh. that rarely happens. But after a long <laughs> period of, uh, development on that idea they finally said yeah we're going to we're going to make your pilot this was like january 2020 um, right and <laughs> then it gets even crazier yeah like oh my gosh this is it this this is it man i i've, I've won i finally right. figured out my problem um i'm gonna have my own show and then we're in pre-production of the pilot like casting it picking the actors for the show and COVID hit and shut it down um and I remember, I remember driving home that night and actually like laughing because like, like you're well, like in the casting session and what happens? You get a text. You yeah, get, I get like, a text just saying like uh, whatever that day was, March 16th or 15th or something. Or, or in a casting session, 
we get a text, okay, you need to stop the session now and go home and we'll come back in two weeks. Um, (laughs) Right. uh, Yeah. It was only going to be two weeks. I remember being like, more like two months, guys. Um, (laughs) But yeah, but but that one, like the, the theme of anxiety, like that didn't cause me much anxiety at all. Like that, that felt like the opposite of anxiety. That felt like a weight off my shoulder because I was like, well, I've struggled as a writer before and the answer to this, to struggling is often, well, I should just fix this. Like I should write something else. I should write the thing that fixes this problem. So it's, uh, I put it on myself and that, that becomes like anxiety. And mm-hmm. in this case, I was like, it's a global pandemic. Like I can't come up with a vaccine out right. of my garage. So right. it was like, <laughs> Well, well, you could. As, I, I mean, could. You it know, wouldn't be I, I hear as, bleach does wonders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be nearly as good as the Johnson and Johnson one, but um, right. <laughs> but yeah, so that was like, well, shit. I'm, I'm just gonna um, hang out and play music and um, wait this thing out. Um, right. And yeah, and so we waited that out for a while, and then I ended up going back into pharmaceutical advertising during the pandemic because. Um, well, the pandemic went on for a long. You needed the money. Right. Um, and now and there they, was a need for pharmaceuticals. <laughs> now there was a need for pharmaceuticals. And now because of the pandemic, there was people have become used to remote work on Zoom. Right. So I went and worked for that New York company from my bedroom in Burbank. Suddenly nice. the fact that I was in California didn't matter. Didn't matter. Yeah. Didn't matter. Um, yeah. And then I'll finish that story real fast. Then at some point in the pandemic – they officially killed my show. They had always said like, oh, we're just temporarily shutting down um, and we'll come back and shoot it. And then after like a year plus of pandemic, they're like, yeah, that's, it's dead. Um, But at that that point I was like, well, yeah, it's okay. It's, it would be like, if like, I don't know, like your girlfriend left town for like a year and a half and then sent you a letter saying it's over. Like, yeah, no, I know you haven't, uh, (laughs) I get it. You've moved on. Um, Right. And then, and then, like, I don't know, a year after that, I got a call, and they're like, "We actually know now. It's we're gonna do it, and it's gonna be a whole series." And whoa! So, and that's where that's where I that I got that call this fall, and that's what I've been doing since. Um, well, I did eleven out of thirteen episodes, and then we went on strike, so I had to leave the show, and I, right. I wasn't there for the the end of it, um, right. or for, for so. There's like. <laughs> There's no like just like magic bullet. It, there's always uh, some. It's always going to be something. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure that speaks to the theme of this show and anxiety and stuff and how you deal with that. But well, um, what really struck me was like at your lowest of low points when you were telling us this story was that you were like in the fetal position and your wife was like, "You do something that makes you happy." Yeah. You know, I don't care about all this other BS. You do something that makes you happy right now. And it was through that that you really found, like, what it was you were meant to be doing. Right. And it's hard to, like – so I'm a mentor in the Writers Guild. So it means – what that means is, like, I get, um, like, four – like, five writers each year who I mentor. And that just means, like, I – we have meetings. I bring in friends who are writers to talk to them. I remember telling that story and being like, I'm not sure 
I'm not sure what the moral or like the lesson here is because like to to be successful, at least in Hollywood, the small world that I'm in, as a writer, it requires like tenacity and the grit and never giving up. And like, so they didn't buy your script. Go write another one. Okay, write another one. Okay, write another one. And yet for me, the moment of like my most success was when I basically said like, I'm not doing that anymore. Like I'm done. Right. Yeah. You know, and the other thing is that like, you know, um, I had sort of discounted music. I Mm -hmm. I basically discounted music. Music, something I've been doing. Like when you asked me my original story, I started off with music. I was in a band writing lyrics. Um, and, and, and yet like, and notice I now I'm noticing that when I said, Oh, I left college. It's not like after all that money was spent, I was just going to like go and play music. So music, it almost became a shorthand for um, not serious Mm -hmm. or just purely fun. And then, but writing, like writing scripts and trying to sell shows and even short stories was like, that was serious. Like I studied English literature in college. I didn't study in a clash. Um, (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so like, you know, I would be like going playing gigs with your husband while I was trying to become a writer in Hollywood. But it wasn't until I actually like embraced my musical side and didn't like look. Once I embraced my musical side during that month, when I said, I'm just going to stop writing and just do music, allowed mm-hmm. me then to make this bridge where suddenly I was like, wait, how come how come I think about my music as this like lesser thing that doesn't have the same dignity as my writing. Hmm. I should, I should respect musical Dickie just as much as I respect writer Dickie. Absolutely. And and then it's almost like, um, you know, with our powers combined, we make captain planet that for me, once I was able to, like sort of love all parts of myself, my musical side as well as my writing side. Mm-hmm. I just became a, a more, I became a more interesting person, especially to people to whom I was trying to sell shows. So, right. like the person who bought the show at Nickelodeon, she's like, I don't know. One day, this guy Dickie Murphy walked into my office with a guitar. <laughs> you know, I mean? like that's how she thinks about this. How this all happened. Right. And that's cool because right. like most writers, in fact, like pretty much all writers don't walk into pitches with an acoustic guitar. But for this show, this Aaron and Aaron show, that I, that was the pitch. It was me with my guitar telling stories, pitching a show and singing the songs that would be in the show. And so like, yeah, in hindsight, like, of well, of course, that's when I finally had a breakthrough and, and sold my first show was when, like, I finally was fully Dickie Murphy. Right. You know, like, I, I had all my, all parts of my, my Batman belt. I was using all the different parts. I wasn't right. afraid. I wasn't ashamed <laughs> of any parts. I wasn't afraid to, that they weren't going to be looked at in a certain way. I was like, no, this is who I am. I play music and I tell stories. And, and yeah, okay, yeah, so there you go. So, and right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why I was afraid of, to embrace the music. There's probably some something there, but um, now I have right. a show that has it's full of music. I'm doing music all the time at work. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you have two children. 
yes. that are super cute. Um, what has having kids taught you about being an artist? It, it made me appreciate writing for children. I, I noticed that okay. when I was in that story I told you where for, when I was working on the Thundermans, there was a long time when I was trying to get into drama. That was driven by a, the positive desire to be part of television drama because it's so great. But there was also like a negative drive, which was real, which was at, when I looked at like kids TV, I'd never would have said this to myself, but in hindsight, I know it's true. I thought to myself, I deserve better than this. Mm. Right? Like that's, it's not a pretty thing so to say. So there was say. some ego behind it. There was ego behind it. Right? And like, yeah. and that's just being honest. Yeah. And But then once I had kids and I, if I saw children's television that didn't wasn't that good rather than saying i deserve better than this i would think kids deserve better than this mm. that was like an awesome flip in my head because mm. suddenly I, suddenly that made me want to work in kids television because right wait kids deserve better than this and i can be the and i could do it like i can be right. the person who does that right um, right so that's amazing for me and and when when Aaron and Aaron when when we started this show with the writers the first day I said to them all I was like the way I see this making a kids show is that once a week we get to tell a campfire story and there's like a million kids at this campfire like that's, that's how awesome. special this is what we get yeah. to do um, and yeah. I really think my kids becoming a parent like recentered me to that that's awesome. What advice would you give to an artist that is struggling right now? You know what? Oh, this is great, actually. I saw Mike Shore. Um, he came and spoke at a Writers Guild program that I'm part of. And he's mm-hmm. he created Parks and Recreation, The Good Place. He was like a writer on The Office. This guy is like the like most successful comedy television creator like out there. And his whole his whole discussion was about this. And he what he said, he's like, you know, for the longest time, there was this misconception that art came out of struggle and that art also came out of like, you know, you know, steel tempered in the furnace. What like that you would have to be in these toxic environments where it was hell and people put you through the ringer, but that's where great art was made. He's like, that's bullshit. He's like, art comes out of like happy, happy places. It comes mm. out of happy people treating each other well. And mm. I really think I kind of, I was like, well, you can't, you can't contradict this guy because he's the most successful one out there. Um, and he even said, he was like, I think in the past, what it was was that successful writers and artists used their success as like a blank check to be the assholes they wanted to be. <laughs> like they mm. were, they were just like, oh, I'm powerful now. So I can be an asshole. Interesting. But, but it really made me think about that a lot. And I what I, what I started feeling was like, well, I, I can't really control whether or not I'm successful, um, whether or not people like my stuff or listen to my music or anything, because you know, most people most ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the world has not listened to my music. But mm-hmm. what I can control is like whether or not I'm I'm doing what I like. And so for me, like success is not measured in like um success is not measured in like outward success but rather have i enjoyed the process and 
And if you're an artist who's struggling, I would ask like, well, define struggling. If, if by struggling, you mean that like, you're not, you're not being rewarded by the world for the work you're doing. Well then like, just ask yourself, do you enjoy the work you're doing? Do you enjoy the art you're making? And if you do, then like, that's the recipe for happiness. So just keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause I do know that there's been times where I've written scripts that I didn't really believe in the idea or really like the idea i -hmm. did the idea because somebody an agent had told me this idea will sell if you write it and then when that idea doesn't sell (laughs) then you're like well i i've i've struggled to impress the world and then the the work itself was not fulfilling it did not speak to me so i'm left with nothing that's those were like i remember like crying like those were other breakdown moments Mm-hmm. And what I learned from that was like, well, even even if I'm not quote unquote successful, if I enjoy the work I'm doing, then I'm I'm going to be happy, and and I'll get better at it, and maybe one day I will be successful. So, so I would say like, just if if you, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. To quote Cheryl Crow. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> Dickie, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your story. Oh my gosh, thank you. You are such a delight. (laughs) No, thanks for having me. I think this, if you're an artist, you're like, you are a creature of the mind. You are somebody who doesn't ignore your emotions. You know, your emotions are your source of power and storytelling and anxiety is a real emotion. So your relationship to that anxiety is going to define you as an artist. You know, because it's not like you can get, just get over rid of anxiety it's always going to be there so so to to sort of like look it in the face and build and define your relationship with it is just like wow what a cool process in the you know the artist uh you know journey it's great i'm down thanks for spending this time with us we'd love to connect with you you can find us on instagram at anxiety and the artist If you want insight and inspiration on dealing with anxiety delivered to your inbox, subscribe to our monthly emails at anxietyandtheartist.com. If you like the show, tell a friend about it. Love an episode? Share it in your Instagram stories. Also, leaving a quick review in the podcast app of your choice really helps us get the word out. Thank you to Bosco Chef, who composed our theme music and provides sound editing and engineering for each episode. And thanks to our marketing consultant, Ben Nissen. Until next time, I'm Allison Chef. Be healthy and stay creative. This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.